Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. We are back from our mid-season break, and it is episode number 35, and I am your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, streamer and co-host. And our first guest back is an illustrator and comic creator by the name of Ryan Jenkins. Ryan, how are you? Good, man. How about you? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm surviving. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing okay. So uh, Ryan is joining us for the first time on our show. Um, hopefully not the last. And yeah, we're going to talk some Spider-Man uh, on the show. So get ready for that. Uh, as always, you can listen to and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, and wherever you get your podcast from. You can send us feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com uh, or just throw questions at us on social media at myamada on Twitter, at myamadatees on Instagram, or at Tazzy on both. Uh, let's start as usual with what's been happening in the Myamada universe. Uh, so we've got some stuff that we're working on. Uh, it feels like it's, well, it doesn't feel like it has been uh, a crazy year where, yeah, the uh, early early parts of the year weren't looking too great, but we're kind of, uh, in a way, getting back into projects and stuff. Uh, so one of those projects is a new uh, manga story. Uh, we're working on planning, uh, so we're working on launching a uh, a new Kickstarter for a story from the serious um uh volume so we released volume one in like 2016 and uh, the new story will involve those characters and for the lack of better word it's been inspired by the pandemic and the idea is to create a story that helps uh, young people or anyone really um sort of process you know what's been happening uh, and try and focus and uh, focus on the positive outcomes and lessons uh, that can still be had even in a situation like this. So uh, we'll have a preview of the Kickstarter page uh, later this month and then it will launch at the end of this month. That's the current. Uh, so yeah, just keep an eye out for that. Another project that we have is our Gamepad online event. Uh, so for those of you that follow us uh, super closely, you will know we ran our first online Gamepad event, which was essentially a uh, gaming watch party hosted by Tazzy, um, and it went really well. So yeah, we're going to keep building on this. I mean, obviously we're in a place now where you know <laughs> you can't do physical events, but uh, I think we kind of, we like the format. So even when we can do physical events again, it'll be something that'll be like part of the Gamepad uh, experience or so kind of maybe go back and forth or uh, yeah one then the other uh, we'll see but anyway our next online event is happening on Saturday the 26th of September uh, so we're going to be bringing you back or bringing back the um, friendly fire tournament with different communities across the industry uh, playing across three rounds of uh, Overcooked 2, Brawlhalla and Rocket League um, we'll be running an Animal Crossing fishing challenge uh, for some prizes there we are going to be collaborating with Hyper Japan uh, to bring you an online cos parade contest. Uh, so yeah, anyone can join. 
we will put links in the show notes uh, for people that are interested in submitting a cosplay uh, sort of for the contest uh, and you can check that out uh, and then as last time around um, I'll be interviewing four people from the video games industry from different roles and different experiences uh, and the whole idea is that we want to sort of provide the entertainment obviously but also for those people that are interested in just behind the scenes of the industry or particularly interested in getting in the industry as a, a career themselves to get that insight uh, from people who currently work there so yeah the link is uh, gamepad.events uh, tickets are free um, the event is free uh, if you get tickets you'll be reminded you'll get like uh, updates of what to expect and also each ticket holder will be entered into a draw for a framed uh, My Matter artwork. So you can potentially win one of those if you get a ticket too. Uh, before that is going to happen, we are also working on putting together a, a video game. Um, I'm calling it a well-being video games and well-being panel. Um, I'm not sure of an official name. Probably by the time you're listening to this, we will have an official name. That might be it. Uh, I might just like draw a line and do it and call it that but uh the idea is we're going to bring together um individuals from uh in and around the games industry uh sort of myself and tazzy and um some others who will be announced to talk about yeah just like well-being uh young people in video games so you know as um anyone who is somewhat involved in video games will know sometimes video games get bad rap whether it's uh, addiction or, or violence and um things like that and i just thought it would be worthwhile having a, a conversation to look at you know those aspects from people who actually know uh what they're talking about so uh we're working on putting that on uh, twitch and youtube if i can get that working uh, and that is for august the 26th which is a wednesday so we'll be running that in the evening um but we'll also record it and then put it out uh, later if you can't catch it live uh, and last thing uh from the um, from the my matter universe is we have a new discord community and we're going to be running some activities from like the autumn uh, onwards um, and then just bringing you different ways to you know like interact and engage with the community so you can look out for that too we'll put a link to join that community in the show notes for those who are interested uh so that is it for now let's find out what everyone has been enjoying story-wise this week So this is the part where we have a spoiler-free discussion about what stories people have been watching, playing, reading, um, and we will start with our guest. Uh, I recently picked up a stack of comics um, from my from my pull list, and one of the titles that I had to check out because I'm a big Kurtman fan, because I'm a big fan of uh, the art of Chris Samney, is a title called Firepower. Uh, it's a brand new series. Uh, they've just started it up, and uh, they've kicked it off with a prelude trade paperback. So uh, the the graphic novels actually come out before any any of the single issues, um, and it's essentially about a young man's journey to find out more about his past and find out um, about this, well, inadvertently learn about this mystical power that has been. Uh, studied for centuries uh up in these uh these uh chinese mountains 
uh, where you can essentially channel the energy around your body into heat. And so you can actually throw a punch made of fire. The story is kind of, it's, it's really well paced. It's really well written. The characters feel very, like you're, you're introduced to sort of a limited cast of characters, but each one feels very much well realized, which I think is one of Kirkman's uh, strengths. He's uh, he's the guy who wrote The Walking Dead, and we all identify with at least one character from that series. Chris Samney is is killing it on the artwork on this. He's um, predominantly known as a Marvel artist, and uh, and his style is very it's light and it's playful, but it's also a very classic comic book. He's got a real. I mean, if you ever if you've ever followed his Twitter feed, he does these amazing little like 10 minute sketches of, of character portraits and he does really great things with minimal line work like he can convey mood and texture and detail with just a few strokes it's it's really masterful and uh a lot of that shows in this but yeah it, it's great it sets up the world of firepower really well and i'm i'm really excited to read more that does sound really good um i guess i'll go next um I've watched so much, it's just really hard to <laughs> put into place when we have these big breaks, what what we've been sort of consuming. Um, but since we spoke about wanting to watch Beasters a lot in the last season of podcast, is that what we have, seasons? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, seasons and half seasons. I guess. Yeah, mid-season breaks. Mid-season breaks, yeah. So before the mid-season break, we did speak about wanting to um, see B-Stars, see what that's about. Um, and I think got rounds to watching it. And it is a really, really great show. Um, where do I begin without spoilers? <laughs> <laughs> it's just this this world where you you follow... They're basically like teenagers i guess um and they they kind of grow up in school it's yeah, basically a boarding school yeah um and so they're like you know learning and and preparing themselves for for the outside world um and it's a bit you get a bit of a sense of as utopia um in the kind of like the the predators and the prey and, and this by dynamic utopia, you mean of like the just like all the characters are animals so this is all anthropomorphic uh cast yeah exactly um and it's how they they're you know how how does that work when uh you have some animals that you know naturally uh, are the predators and some that are, are naturally the prey and how do you build a society uh, around that a peaceful society around that dynamic without you know predatory um characters attacking prey characters um but it's really it, it's way more adult than zootopia um and uh, it touches on a lot of things um, yeah, it's definitely very adult as well. I agree with yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and it has... Would you say it's like 15 plus, that sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah, maybe like 15 plus. Like, there's topics it touches on that, um, you know, like... 
oh god it's really hard to explain <laughs> <with> spoilers because <laughs> yeah, no. kind of, i've seen it as well and, and i guess it, it kind of goes into uh very hmm actually now i'm struggling to explain it without spoiling. yeah but it, it goes into the direction of like relationships uh yeah very much like around the main character and like the i guess the nature of relationships and attraction and stuff like yeah. that i didn't expect but i yeah, kind yeah. of yeah I was, I was along for the ride yeah it's definitely yeah i definitely say it's like dean 15 plus um i think it's a really great anime for like that sort of like school leavers age um in terms of the topics they're touching and the 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 setting it's in and like the feelings that they talk about and and the changes that happen um because yeah it's like oh it goes it's so well made like it's you can watch this sort of like any age team plus but particularly for that age group i feel like if i'd watched this when i was like school leavers age um like there's definitely things i related to from being that age and just like the change about the world being so different after you leave um and you know there's there's a lot of stuff about what you eat because obviously there are carnivores and herbivores uh and so in school everyone eats a a vegetarian diet like no meat is allowed this um because you're essentially eating other students like you're really weird right so and i think the whole society's up like that like you you in the real world like you can't just like there's a laws around meat um yeah it's just really interesting like there's just so many layers to it and it's oh, it's so good it goes like it's so hard to talk about without spoilers but there's <sighs> It's just the characters, it's good. the emotion, it's good. the feelings involved, like complexity of it, and like this this character and like it, the oh my god, and they're like their instincts. Like I think the trailer talks a lot about instincts, and I was just like, oh, what is it going on about? But that is the best way. It's like their instincts, and like not just on like an animal, like like prey level it's like on an emotional like relationship isings level um yeah it's just you have to watch it that's the only way because there's no way to talk about it without spoilers because if you bring one book no, up, <laughs> up it like it unravels a story and you want to be surprised and like uncover like these great characters you know you've got like the popular the popular like drama kid who just has this dark past. Oh, just, I can't, yeah, I'm just, yeah. Nigel, what have you been watching? <laughs> Let me just. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll take, I'll take that over. Um, yeah, I, so like I said, I, I've also seen it. And one thing I will uh, add other than, yeah, definitely watch it um, is I, I felt a, a connection that a lot of the dialogue happens inside the character's head, um, especially the main character. And, I yeah I kind of relate to that because I do that uh, a lot so I remember there's one scene in particular where um the main character was gonna uh say something or react to someone to something another character's done and he's having that conversation in his head 
and the other characters just like waiting for him to say something. I'm like, ah, I'm sure I've done that so many times uh, before. Mm. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah, that is, uh, yeah, it's a good, it's a good show. I I watched it like straight after uh, coming off Avatar, which was uh, I probably should have given it a bit more time because I came in like, oh, nothing's as good as Avatar. I love Avatar. Uh, uh, it's a great show ever, and uh, so it took me like an, uh, a couple episodes to kind of get attuned uh to be stars uh but once i did it was like yeah this is a really uh like really thoughtful uh and good show um so in terms of my uh watching i have also watched a ton of stuff uh in this break but uh, i'm gonna go uh recency bias and uh highlight bna which is uh, another netflix animated uh, show with anthropomorphic characters uh so a bit of a theme there uh, and it follows a character called Michiru and you kind of start with her as she's fleeing I guess to uh, what is called Anima City which is uh, there's this world that people existing exist in has humans and it also has uh, beastmen who are I get they're kind of humans that can turn into animals uh, and they're being persecuted, so there's a bit of a divide there. And uh, Mitru has recently discovered that she's no longer human, but she's a, uh, a beastman. So she's going, I guess, for some... Well, when you first meet her, it's like she's running away to sort of live in peace among the people. And then you realize, like, she's actually uh, there for other reasons. Um, and she wants to discover, like, why she's turned into a beastman. But... Uh, yeah, and then you sort of meet the different characters. Uh, there's a wolf uh, character called Shiru, who's like, I guess, the law in this town. I love him city. so much. Uh, yeah, he's <laughs> kind this of like so the, cool. Yeah, so the the uh, stoic character, just like cool. I'm not showing. I'm not trying to show too much emotion. Uh, I'm quite blunt, um, but I get stuff done. And yeah, he's uh, he's really cool. Um, so yeah, so. Uh, Mishiru, while she's in the city, she learns more about herself. She learns more about Beastmen. And then it's like a 12-episode series. And then as it goes, it, it gets kind of, I guess in a way, darker because you kind of, yeah, learn what is going on uh, with the people who run the city. And uh, yeah, there's like, uh, there's plots um, uh, at work and stuff. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I had, I had the one thing I couldn't quite shake is that I didn't understand because uh, Mitru has an issue with being a beastman and wanting to be human again, but I couldn't understand why that was a problem, <laughs> and and the show never really explained why it was necessarily better to be human because it it seemed to me she had the best of both worlds. Like she could be she could turn into a human, and she had like all these powers as a, as a beastman. Um, so the kind of the premise uh, I didn't quite get, but. Uh, I did enjoy um, the show and has some funny moments as well. Some funny characters in in that show, and then it got like serious. So it, it it touched on like some serious themes as well. So yeah, I also recommend that. Um, yeah, both um, anthropomorphic uh, shows. Yeah, they are both excellent. I kind of watched them one off the other because like Netflix done yeah. the recommend, and I was like, yeah, I'm really in this mood. But yeah. Yeah, you just keep it going. Yeah, just keep it going. <laughs> and it did not disappoint. <laughs> no. No, it's true. So but yeah, I'm also gonna have to uh get back into comics because I haven't been able to like visit comic um bookshops and stuff. So uh, I've also got firepower now. 
uh, on my uh, mental list of, of things to check out. Cool. So yeah, that is all that we've been uh, watching and reading. Uh, and now we are going to get to our main story discussion. So today we are going to be talking about the Sony animated film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which has been written by Phil Lord and Rodney Rothman. Uh, so as uh, usual, a spoiler alert, we are going to be getting into pretty much all nooks and crannies of this story. So if you haven't seen it, what have you been doing? Uh, it's a great animation. Watch it and then, you know, come back uh, and then you can join in with the discussion. Uh, so I'm going to do a recap of the story. But before I do that, I just want to get some quick takes uh, from uh, everyone about their thoughts on the story. So uh, let's start with Ryan. What's your overall impression um, of uh, of this animation? The first thing that jumped out at me was stylistically, it's gorgeous. Um, but uh, if we're talking strictly story, uh, we can talk about all aspects. Sure to, yeah, I mean, uh, if we're talking story, I wasn't sure what to expect uh, off the bat. I mean, obviously, a Miles Morales origin story, um, uh, sort of a coming of age thing. But uh, but what they delivered was sort of far and beyond what I could have expected them to put together. It was it's um, like I had read the Spider Verse comics that had come out sort of a couple of years beforehand, and uh, it it sort of borrows ideas from that, but it's a completely um, original and, and interesting uh, uh, narrative. They uh, they do a really good job giving all the primary characters rewarding story arcs, and uh, yeah, it's it's so good. Like by far one of my favorite animated films of the last five years. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, what about you, Tazzy? Um, visually stunning, like. I just would, I want it in, you remember those like uh, digital photo frames? I just want like a giant one on my yeah. wall, just playing that, playing the movie background just for the jewel, like, <laughs> just on of loop. it. Yeah, because it just, there's just moments where you're just like, why does that look so gorgeous? Like, I don't know why, it's just so pleasing to the eye, it just it's just like the colors the art style everything it just looks great um and you could quite easily watch that film with no sound and still be in like absolute awe <laughs> um sure i watched um before we started recording i watched the uh the whole film again but the uh, director's commentary mm. so you're just getting the visuals but like five guys talking over it and it's just as compelling yeah so I think that aspect of it, but and, and the the soundtrack like is pretty pretty decent. Well, <laughs> I'd say um, I'm really well uh, timed to like give you the emotions and and to to help like drive the story and and put your frame. Um, but one of the things that like I really took away from from it, other than just being a really great story, um, was that it. It didn't treat the audience like they're dumb. <laughs> it kind of like was like everyone knows Spider-Man. <laughs> we're not, not going to tell you stuff 
that you don't need to know. And when we do, for like those of for those people that have literally been living under a rock and don't have a clue who Spine is, we're going to tell it in a way that uh, here's the information. Uh, we're going to put a joke there. We're going to put. Um, we're gonna make we're gonna make it so we are pointing out the obvious. We're gonna we're gonna write it in in a way that for like the vast majority of people watching this that know and understand Spartan aren't gonna feel like yeah okay we need to stop treating us like we're babies. Um, but then still yeah welcoming. they really leaned like, into that yeah yeah <laughs> so like but then if you didn't know you'd like you'd get it you'd pick it up quick enough that you know this is that uh, especially with like introducing each character like you know yeah. it's like here's the obvious <laughs> um and then here's some different and there was like no dwelling on on anything really i felt uh but that was my biggest from it yeah i i definitely appreciate that because it's spider-man like it i think he's literally the most popular <laughs> comic book uh, character like we know how we get how we got to where he, he is so yeah i appreciate they just yeah. like you know you know the story we know the story but we've got to do this so let's do it in, in an interesting way um yeah i think i so i remember uh, so i've seen this like three times now which for me is is a lot because i have a um a bad habit of like watching a lot of films like once um but yeah i've now seen this three times and i remember I remember distinctly when I first saw the trailer come out and for whatever reason, just not being moved. And I don't know why it's not even like, I'm not a fan of Spider-Man, but I just remember the trailer and I was like, okay, that's the thing that's coming out next year. I'll log that in my brain and I uh, might check that out. And when I finally got around to watch it, watching it, it's like, this is an amazing story. You've, you've almost made like a pitch perfect animation. Um, I did for whatever reason, I didn't get that from the trailer. Uh, it's probably just me, but just so impressed with this story, like with the story, with the animation as, uh, as you've both uh, picked up on and just, just, yeah, the whole package is, is just a, a, an amazing story. I, I can't even, I mean, we're going to get like into it, but I can't even say anything more than that. It's just like, I was, I was really impressed with how good this story is. Like, and I, I think for me also, I, as much as I like uh, Pixar, uh, Pixar animation I always appreciate when someone just goes in a different direction and not just try and make something that looks like you know whatever the dominant uh, thing is so I really appreciate that you know the animation is 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 amazing but just the effort of like let's do something different that fits for this character uh, and that uh, the effort made so uh, yeah that's uh that's all i've got to say for now and yeah we'll we'll get into it but i'll we'll do a uh a brief uh overview of the story for those who might not have it uh so recently in their memories so the story introduces us to miles morales a teenager struggling to live up to the expectations of his father jefferson davis while adjusting to a new school miles visits his uncle aaron davis who takes him to an abandoned subway station to paint graffiti where Miles is bitten by a radioactive spider and gains spider-like abilities, which, again, yeah, we know that. Um, returning to the station, Miles discovers a super collider built by Kingpin, who wants to access Parallel Universe in an effort to bring back his dead wife and son. Miles is caught up in a fight between Spider-Man, Green Goblin, and Prowler, 
Spider-Man saves Miles from trouble, but Green Goblin shoves Spider-Man into the collider, causing an explosion that severely wounds Spider-Man. He gives Miles a USB drive that will destroy the collider, and Miles flees from Prowler right after seeing Kingpin kill Spider-Man. As New York City mourns Spider-Man's death, Miles attempts to get a handle of his new abilities but damages the USB drive in the process. He later visits Spider-Man's grave where he meets an older, out-of-shape Peter Parker from another dimension at the same time he discovers his ability to emit a bioelectric venom blast. Peter reluctantly agrees to train Miles as they attempt to steal data to create a new USB drive. They infiltrate Kingpin's research facility, where Miles discovered he also has the unreliable power of invisibility. They are confronted by scientist Olivia Octavius, who reveals herself to be the villain Doc Ock. Miles and Peter are chased by Octavius, but rescued by Gwen Stacy, a Spider-Man, Spider-Woman from another dimension. Together, they visit Aunt May, who has been sheltering more heroes from other dimensions, Spider-Man Noir, Penny Parker, and Spider-Ham. Miles offers to disable the Collider so that others can return home, but the heroes do not have faith in his ability just yet. Upset by this, Miles retreats to Aaron's home, where he discovers his uncle is Prowler. Miles returns to May's house, where Penny has made a new USB drive, but he has been followed by Kingpin's enforcers. In the fight, Miles is caught by Aaron, who is shot and killed by Kingpin after he is unwilling to kill Miles. Miles flees with Aaron, but Jefferson arrives on the scene, believing Spider-Man has killed his brother. The heroes regroup at Miles' dorm, and still have a lack of belief in Miles. Peter decides he will sacrifice himself by staying behind and deactivating the collider. He restrains Miles and leaves with the others. Jefferson arrives outside Miles' door for a heart-to-heart and the exchange leads Miles to finally master his powers. He gets new web shooters from Aunt May and paints his own Spider-Man suit. Miles joins the heroes and helps them defeat Kingpin, sending them home and destroying the Collider. Kingpin and his enforcers are arrested and Jefferson recognises Spider-Man as a hero, while Miles embraces the responsibility of his new life. The end. Uh, so, first thing I noticed uh, on this film is how uh, certain things just have like different meanings uh, more than anything. Uh, the idea of wearing masks and anyone can wear a mask, which, yeah. Uh, just, you know, time and place, it just takes on a different meaning uh, today than it did the first time uh, I watched it. So, yeah, wear a mask. Anyway, uh, so we touched on the, like, the incredible animation style, which I think when you first see it, it's like just the first thing that kind of, like, blows you away uh, about this. And like I was saying, it's like, it's just, it it feels so unique to anything we've seen before. And as well as being good in itself, I like that it was very much a nod to the comic influences of the story. So there were certain points where, you know, you had scenes laid out in panel forms. You had like Miles, um, I think just after he gets his powers, he's, he starts narrating uh, his experiences and those come up as like the narration boxes uh, in comic panels. It's awesome, cleverly done. They uh, they did a great job of, of uh, immersing you in that sort of comic book language i guess they they use a lot of yeah that's it storytelling methods and, and tropes to immerse you in that world right down to researching how comic books are drawn and printed and and the old printing techniques even right at the beginning you get the comics code authority logo pops up in the opening titles 
Um, yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, they, they spent a ton of time, I think maybe even two, three years, just working on the aesthetic of the film before animating a single frame. Mm. Is that a normal thing in animation? Not really. There's, okay. there's sort of... Um, there's a practice in the animation industry, at least uh, up until recently, of um, how can we churn this movie out as quickly as we can and as efficiently as we can without spending too much money. So they'll, you know, they'll they'll sometimes they'll spend a film sort of developing a technique and then use that technique again on another film. For example, Monsters Inc. They spent ages working on Sully's hair and then used that hair pipeline in every other movie after that. But everything in Spider-Verse is completely unique. I, I think they had to build the render engine from scratch. They came up with this genius way of making everything feel 2D animated, like traditionally animated, by um, blending 2D and 3D animation. There's a lot of explosions that happen in that 3D world that are done in 2D. Like they're actually hand-drawn explosions. Um, there's this really clever way that they've done um, wrinkles and textures on the faces of the characters by actually animating uh, 2D over... Well, it, it's sort of... It's a weird mix. They they do 2D lines over the 3D models, and then those 2D lines move with the 3D model until they need to replace those lines with slightly more interesting lines. Or That sounds like so much work. So they're basically doing 3D and 2D animation at the same time wow yeah there's uh there's tons of overlaying going on and rotoscoping going on and, and uh not to mention every time a character glitches or mm. you have a little static moment like um there's that moment uh where miles is uh in his new spidey suit and he's jumping over cars and jump uh, bouncing off the side of a bus and when his foot hits that point of contact the entire world for a frame changes into a hand-drawn panel with a lot more sort of color and bursts and energy and then pops back into the the world that we're familiar with as soon as he leaves that point of contact and you're saying they planned this like so well before actually doing any animation so this was this was like a a firm decision oh yeah 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 they they uh they spent ages just working on the the visual language of the film like you'll you'll notice like with um if you were to zoom in on any frame on any character, you'll see like cross-hatching going on. You'll see uh, Kirby dots in places. They do this really insanely clever thing uh, called chromatic aberration. Where I mean, if you, if you pause a frame where something in the background looks blurred, but you can actually still make it out, what they've done is they've separated um, the, the layers of color so that they don't line up. And so right. the mind's eye thinks it's blurred, but it's actually something that happened in classic comic books all the time. Like you'll, uh, if you pick up an old '60s Marvel comic, for example, you'll see that like sometimes they didn't, because they would have had to do a black pass, then a red pass, then a blue pass, with all these different screens of ink. And if something didn't line up, then you'd have, say, the red of Spider-Man's suit overlapping with the blue on his suit or like mm. the, the lines just seem a little bit off that they'll be shifted. Yeah. And so they've, they've employed that print error as a technique to 
fake blur in a scene. Because they didn't do... I read that they didn't do motion blur at all in this. No. So No, they did a bunch of really clever um, graphic techniques and animation techniques. Stuff that they've used in old school Disney films for years. Um, if you were to pause a, a frame of Miles doing a, a crazy wild jump with his arms wiggling in the air, you might pause and see like, oh, he's actually got like 12 arms there. Or, hmm. or his his face might be a big smear, and it's a technique that they use to to simulate motion blur without actually employing it. But even just doing that is really hard in 3D animation. You have to create all sorts of programs to uh, allow the animator to change that rig so that it moves in that way. And there was another thing I um, I read up on about. I'm not saying I definitely understood all of it but um saying they they used uh stepped animation and the quote i got was that uh it means the animation doesn't change every single frame like characters yeah. will be held up for one frame uh or more so that their motion looks jittery and then that's why they, yeah. they said they didn't use motion blur i mean I, I could go on about like limited versus full motion animation for ages but <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh one technique that they developed for animation back in the day was um you know actual film you get 24 frames a second and to animate 24 individual images by hand is quite difficult so what they would do is they would animate 12 so you'd actually have half the number that you need so every image uh instead of being exposed to the film once gets exposed twice so each drawing lasts two frames and that's often called animating on twos but it's why stuff like Looney Tunes cartoons and, and cartoons made for TV, which are all typically animated on twos to save time and money, have that sort of weird jittery, janky um, motion that you only really get with 2D art. Modern Disney films, even the, like, two, the 2D animated ones, they'll tend to do the full 24 frames a second. But the, the mind's eye always just sees it as wrong. Or, or too smooth, but I think what they wanted in this is something that feels more grounded and, and naive, maybe? <laughs> more sort of like a comic book page. So they yeah, yeah they did some really clever things with um, animating on twos and, and even on threes, just so that everything feels more hand-done. They even did a really clever thing with... Um, so there's the scene where Miles and Peter infiltrate the the scientist base and leave with the computer hard drive. Yeah. And Pete is trying to teach Miles how to web swing for the first time. And Miles isn't getting it and he's always falling down and, and he's having to learn how to do the flip release. Flip release. <laughs> and what they did there in the in the film is they actually animated on twos, but they animated on separate twos to each other. So Peter will move and then Miles will move. And then Peter will move, and then Miles will move. And then as Miles gets used to flipping, they actually sync up again. Oh, right. So to reinforce that in the story, like Miles isn't getting it. They are literally out yeah. of sync. And then as they get exactly. it, as he gets it, oh, wow. It's it's genius animation, and it's something that, um, like, they, they've paid so much attention to detail in this film. It's mind-numbing how much detail there is in this film. <laughs> Um, that's so mad. Do you know what, standpoint, but do you know what I'm thinking? Is like, isn't 
didn't Sony make the Emoji Movie? Like, oh, how yeah. did they go? From, how did they go from that to this? Anyway, it was just a thought that came to mind. But um, so, I mean, that's that's a whole different thing. That's yeah. The, the, <laughs> producers going how can we make a really good film for as little money as possible and as quickly as possible and and just make loads of money off of it yeah whereas i think spider-verse is you know giving creative control to the right people letting them Mm. make the film that they need to make and then putting it out in the world and you know letting the film speak for itself yeah yeah and given there's another one in the works i i think they've done that job hmm yeah, Tazzy, did you have any sort of particular favorite uh, visual moments? Man, <laughs> I know I, it's I, hard I to like, pick. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I keep asking you like, to pick your favorite, and uh, yeah, all, all highlights. And uh, um, okay, like a highlight, not necessarily a favorite, but definitely like yeah. something <laughs> that was interesting and like different. Um, was like introducing uh, noir Spider Man and just like yeah. any scene with noir Spider Man in because it was like this this complete mood change around him and as like making him fit in to this world that doesn't isn't even like his art style but like I suppose that's kind of the same with um, some of the other the others as well. And like, I just love how they done done some of that, like different, the completely different like styles of yeah. Spider Man, just added, but particularly sort of visually distinct. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and like, even like the wind. I think there's there's like a moment in the basement, and like, um, and Peter's like, where did wind come from? Like we're in a burn. <laughs> yeah. It's just he's like, where I, where, where I, I go, go, the wind goes. <laughs> yeah. And it and smells it, like rain. <laughs> what? Yeah. And it's it like. steals those moments completely. Yeah. yeah. Just, they're so just like, you didn't even need that dialogue there to hear that dialogue. Like, <laughs> because of like how visually well it was done. Um, yeah. Yeah. I did like. <laughs> I did like that moment when they were introducing the different spider people just because again, like because they're also visually different and it still worked. And it was like, um, so it's like, like, I'm a sports fan, so I'm going to use a sports analogy, but it's like, if you see like a basketball player, like do tricks with one basketball and then someone chucks another basketball at them, and they just like keep doing different tricks with two basketballs. And he was like, now you're showing off because, you know, just normal people can't do that. Like, what are you doing? And I felt like that was the equivalent in that scene where it was like, here's one visual style, here's another, here's another, and another, and another. And another. And he's like, we're just going to keep this going and look how great we are. So, yeah, I just like thought it was an impressive. So hard making this film. Yeah, that was good. Um, all right. So, um, obviously, the, the film sort of first it firstly introduces us to, to Miles and then uh Peter and then uh Peter Parker from this dimension uh dies and then we are introduced to a new Peter Parker who has made some different life choices um and is not the best mentor to Miles or let's say he's a unconventional uh mentor. I think he, he gets the job done in the end. But um what did you think about this uh this different Peter Parker, uh, and also maybe if you want to pass judgment on some of his life choices, you can do that too. <laughs> oh man, it was, it was so good. I I think Jake Johnson, um, who voiced Peter B. Parker, yeah, did 
so much justice for this character. It was essentially written for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say the same. It just like suits him. So- <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got this amazing, rich voice. It works so well for the character. Um, but yeah, the the whole thing of having um, the the heroic blonde Peter Parker fail and having this this sort of renegade b-grade mentor (laughs) uh step in i loved it yeah it was it was great to see like it's the whole thing of never meet your heroes yeah that's a good point (laughs) i think it's a little bit of that of like uh miles has looked up to this guy for ages he's really you know he he's so into spidey and now that he's met the man behind the mask even though it's a mask from a different dimension he he feels a little bit let down but it's it's just so like i think it makes the character of peter b parker way more interesting and relatable that he's yeah and definitely relatable um i i just love the scene of him in his apartment uh crying in the shower and eating pizza with his mask on yeah <laughs> uh his little gut sticking out and everything <laughs> it's so like it's brilliant no it's, it's great and yeah it's like i really because you see like how his life turned out and it, it's relatable i'm not saying like uh, i was a superhero and then fell on hard times but just that idea <laughs> yeah. of 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 failing i guess and and maybe not living up to you know your own standards um and then being really regretful of his choices and the scene that mm. <laughs> it made me laugh but it also kind of i really felt for him is when um uh when they were in well not in their disguises but you know when kinping had the the dinner for in honor of spider-man and all the waiters were dressed as spider-man and they snuck in and he sees mary yeah. jane and then she comes up to him and she wants bread and he's yeah he's just so like he's like i'm so sorry i didn't get you this the bread that you deserve like i'm gonna get I, you I just, so much bread <laughs> bread <yeah. laughs> it's like that's it's, so it's hilarious brilliant. but it's also you just feel it in his voice like, i'm so sorry I, I regret what happened so much and yeah just it had both both sides it had the comedy and it had just like the the emotion of that uh of that decision or that yeah the way things turned out it's one of the most powerful things about spider-man as a uh as a comic book character he's one of the few heroes who doesn't have it all figured out he's mm. he's not an adult at least he's not in the comics most of the time he's struggling to make his you know rent every month he's uh he's he's having relationship troubles with his girlfriend who only lives next door. Yeah. Um, and he's having to protect his aunt May the whole time. Uh, and you know, it's, it, I think, especially in the sixties when the character was developed by, by Stan Lee and, and Steve Ditko, um, they came up with a real winner in having a character that people could relate to that, you know, kids going to the comic book stands could pick up and read and go, he's just like me and i I think that works here as well because you know so many of the people who say say people of uh a younger age they'll identify straight away with miles i think Mm. spider-man fans of an older age who've watched like the toby Maguire films and the animated series and and all that stuff they'll totally relate to peter b parker yeah yeah no yeah i I get that actually it's kind of like a uh, a different generation will appreciate those set of problems (laughs) What were you saying, Tazzy? Um, like the moment for me, I don't know, just kind of summed up Peter B. Parker was that it's right 
when Miles meets him. Um, and, or I think near, near when he first meets him and uh, Miles, like he's just talking about how like he's not that superior. Blah, blah, blah. And Miles goes, great, um, our uh, company responsibility. And he just goes, ah, <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's so like, the, it's like the words make him do something he's not mm. in control of like it's a it's a magic word and he's been hypnotized it's like hey like i guess i'll have i have to do it now you've said the magic words uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've, you got me you got me yeah um, like reluctantly like like just yeah it's funny that bit kind of sums sums him up for me um did you guys have any other favorite spider people uh, again, I'm asking for favourites, but did what what did you like about the other uh, spider people? I think Gwen was great. Mm. Yeah. She's she's so well written as a character and not as like a love interest or a token female. She's, you know, mm. a, a, probably the most competent of the group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah like is a, a mixed bag. Yeah, like yeah. her entrance was like she was just she just got it done. Like she just saved them, and I like yeah. the way Miles and Peter are just like sitting in like these cradles of web, and she's just there with the computer in her hands, like with her ballet shoes, just like standing yeah. there so well. Even just five minutes before that, when you've got Peter and Miles in their spidey suits trying to infiltrate the base. And they pass Gwen, who's in disguise as, as Gwanda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, she's she's fully infiltrated the place. She's dressed like a scientist. She's going to get away with it. And then these and two then come these in. Two nut jobs come in. <laughs> <Yeah. and take. laughs> like, she's she is by far the smartest one of them. She's the toughest one of them. Um, yeah, she, she shows up the boys for sure. Yeah. And she has her own story. Like you say, she's not just the... Well, it's not even a love interest story um, because it's about the friendship, but she has her own yeah. story. So she has like her origin story and that reflects on why, you know, she says she doesn't, you know, she's not down with the whole friends thing uh, anymore. So even by the end, that progression for her is really is small, but it's significant like to her character. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I did like... Um, uh, Penny Parker, just because I remember in the cinema, I can't remember. I went, I must have went to see this with someone. Uh, apologies, because uh, I can't remember who. But um, and I remember seeing uh, sort of the anime style. I was like, oh, anime! I know what that is. Uh, I'm <laughs> like, I'm, I'm in that. And I was like, oh, cool! They've represented like uh, an anime style character. Um, so yeah, that I think I pointed that out, like needlessly pointed that out. Uh, to whoever I was watching it with, uh, just like, yeah, that's that's uh, anime style. Yeah, and now we can watch the rest of the film. Now you know that. Yeah. No, I had a very, like, sort of slur Penny Parker moment. I was just like, they're like, <gasps> and I was watching it with, with my partner, and he was like, oh, God. <laughs> it's like, this, <laughs> this is just everything Tanya loves. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> the Mac as well. And then, and then like, oh, yay! <laughs> like, 
I was kind of like, okay, now I'll go over it until the next moment. Parker's on screen and then I just get excited every time. (laughs) (laughs) I think they did a really good job of balancing out the character appearances because it it grew into quite a big team. Mm. And it's not the longest film, but they've sort of given everyone enough screen time that their appearance is justified and they get their their fun moments in there and they actually make a difference to the story. Mm. But they're not around so long that they get annoying. Yeah. It doesn't they don't distract from the story. Especially when you have like Spider Ham. Yeah. Who is gonna say, like if Spider Ham had any more screen time, it'd be like, honestly, why are you here? But I, yeah. I watched the um they have a short on the Blu-ray, which is basically done like a, an old like seventies cartoon or something. And it it's well done, but it's cause it's in the context of the Spider Ham universe, it's not as funny as Spider Ham in the context of Miles Morales' universe. Ah, mm. uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because a lot of his he, him works because he's like he's <laughs> so like a cartoon character in this. Yeah, he's, he's out where place. he doesn't belong, which is yeah. the funny part. And he just that introduction. Oh, his introduction. The introductions were so yeah. well in this film. <laughs> Oh, man. And Peter's like, oh, this couldn't get any weirder. This is... <laughs> oh, and he just walks hilarious. up like a Looney Tunes character. With a little wet hand, yeah. Oh, it's like, <laughs> they're not wet. But they're wet because I wash my hands. Like, nothing else. Just... <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love oh, how they do that... the joke. Because they'll do like, they'll do like the, the first level of the joke. And then sometimes if you push it too far, it doesn't work, but it always seems to work. So like the joke, he is the joke because it's like, <laughs> this can't get any weirder. And he's like, oh, but it can. And that, that's enough. From, <laughs> that's enough. From what but I understand, because I watched a couple of like the little behind the scenes bits. Yeah. Most of the characters were just read straight from script. But with him, because they had, uh, I can't remember the name of the actor now, but um, because he is a stand-up and he's got such a unique voice and vocal quality, they went okay. Just read it as it is, and then do like twenty-five of your own. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the best one. So they have just a stream of outtakes of him doing all sorts of weird stuff. Oh, that, yeah, that, <laughs> that sounds must be the case. I can imagine great. that now. Because yeah, it just felt yeah. like yeah, you just took it another level and it just yes. like added to it so much. Um, yeah. actually, um, uh, actually interviewed the co-creator of Spider-Man Noir. Um. Fabrice Sapolsky. So uh, just to point that out and say like that interview is on our YouTube channel for anyone who is interested. Amazing. But uh, yeah, was, uh, he he has been in the industry for a while and he just had so much to say. It was like, um, it was one of those interviews where, I mean, usually in the interview, I was trying to let the guests do most of the talking, but he just had so much to say. It was just me. Like, I was just listening. I was just like taking in <laughs> the information and almost forgot I'm interviewing. I was like just listening to what he had to say. But yeah, he had a cool story. And then obviously now I've I watched it again since then. I'm like, oh, okay, I, uh, I appreciate that a bit more. But yeah, I basically liked all the the spider people. Um, so there are no mm. favorites. They're all, they're all good. And they all uh, added, <laughs> added to the experience. Watches the film stays through the end credits because they are great there's that little after credit scene oh you know what i think i think i watched it the first time but not the most recent time so yeah yeah i'm gonna have to go back and watch those again now 
Okay, nice really to watch it. intro to Spider-Man 2099, voiced by uh, Jason Isaacs. Oh, man. No, I'm definitely going to have to go back and watch that. It's so okay. good. Okay. Thanks for it's pointing that out. It's essentially the most expensive meme you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> cool. But I look forward to out loud watching funny. that again. Uh, so, as uh, as usual with uh, a lot of the, the things we discuss, a lot of the stories we discuss, we like to pick out themes. So, I've got a, a few themes I just want to throw out and see what people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I think uh, one of the, the biggest theme was the idea of uh, resilience and basically, like, keep getting up uh, after you've been knocked down. Um, so, I, I quite like that uh, as, a, as a theme. And I think Peter Parker, uh, yeah, Peter Parker, says something like no matter how many hits i take i always find a way to come back and then you've got the whole idea of just miles being sort of knocked back or knocked down sometimes yeah. literally and just needing to get back up um so yeah what do you guys think about that it was like you, like you said it's a big theme of the film and a lot of the story elements and scenes sort of revolve around that right down to everyone in the spider group hanging outside Miles's room, hoping that he's going to have the abilities to get back out there and help them defeat the big bad. Yeah, because um, they want to, they want him to succeed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I think the, um, again, it's like, sometimes like you watch things again and then it takes on a new context and I feel like in this year, in particular, the idea of uh, resilience is something <laughs> just worth remembering just the idea of, of taking knocks and uh, having to come back um, uh, another theme that I thought was uh, really cool is the idea of choices so I mentioned with uh, Peter B. Parker like some of the, the choices he has made uh, and I think this was pointed out to uh, through Miles where they had that recurring uh, joke of his shoelaces being untied uh, and I think when he gets to the school he uh, another student points it out uh, and he says something like, I'm aware it's a choice. So it's that whole idea of like, you know, choosing uh, to take on responsibility and, and choosing to like, yeah, keep getting up. So kind of they fit together. Uh, and then you had the idea of the um, uh, the value of a mentor. Uh, so Miles had his uncle and then Peter B. Parker, who were both kind of uh, maybe sketchy <laughs> mentor figures, but still effective because they still gave him what he needed to get to where yeah (laughs) he ended the film maybe not in the most traditional way though Mm. yeah i mean even a bad mentor gives at least one good bit of advice yeah and like even like the worst you can sometimes see a bad mentor as like you are a bad mentor so i'm gonna do do the opposite to everything you do because I've witnessed your failures, so I don't have to make them. Learn from their mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> you know what my I think my favorite uh theme in this is just the idea of uh belief. And I think the idea of believing in yourself is is always a good kind of uh message a good moral to um uh to put i was actually uh, earlier today uh i did a a workshop like a sort of 
the first physical workshop since like March. Um, so with a, with a group of kids and we're getting them to uh, brainstorm ideas for their stories. And I always, you know, I always stick on the message, like what's the message of your story? And I think one of them had this idea of uh, sort of believing in yourself, um, which I always like to see. Uh, and in this film, it is, I think it's just a good universal message. But what I liked about it in this film was that where Peter Parker or Miles asks, you know, when will I know I'm ready? And Peter Parker just says, it's a leap of faith. That's all it is. And it's just, I don't know why, but maybe again, maybe it's the times we're in, but that just hit me. Like, it's just, it, it's yeah. actually that simple. It, it's so difficult to do or can be difficult to do, but it's actually that simple as just believing because everything he needed, he had. Like mm. he didn't, it wasn't like, um, he he felt because obviously he was failing to control his powers well it wasn't like he needed to go and get something to like some i don't know some supplement to take and then everything for, no. it was just he just needed to believe and that mm. was it they, i love um, the simplicity of that yeah they had I, this recurring theme in the sorry tazzy you go ahead um no i was just gonna like completely agree with that and like really resonate with that as well like not just in these times but in general like with with being like self-employed and and like self-motivated and you have to kind of be that and sometimes you forget you know you just have to take the, the leap of faith and you forget that you you are building up all these skills or you do have all these skills um and then like you know you just have to do it but also the moment um or it's like stuck to the ceiling and peter's like you just got you just gotta do it you just gotta like just gotta do it just let go just let go <laughs> It's like oh, is that when you're in the facility? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I was like, what do you do to relax? And um, <laughs> but he's just like, tell him, just do it. You, you can do it. Just stop, stop holding on. You can do this. And yeah, he just starts singing. And like, sometimes you do need that thing that just takes you out of the moment, so that you can relax into the moment, so that you can do the thing. Um, and I feel like. You know, it was like highlighted again and again, like as you say, over over film, but that kind of like that bit really resonated more because sometimes you're you're so focused on it that mm, well actually you yeah. need to like take yourself like take yourself out of it and just let go. <laughs> yeah. It is I uh, yeah, I agree. And I again I was just so like struck by it and I think yeah maybe just I needed to hear that uh, at that time but it's just it's just like that leap of faith so in uh obviously there's in the context of this film but like you know like you mentioned self-employed or like any like goal that you have mm. or any if you need like to pick up a new skill and apply it and it really is like that simple yeah. and I think a lot of times you can you can get caught up on like needing to be in in a certain position or, or gain this much skill before yeah. you do it but so much of um like for example you know over this like lockdown and social distance time we've done you know a few more podcasts and i've taken up to do some editing uh, i've done like video interviews yeah. like i had to get a proper <laughs> webcam and uh, and then um record and edit uh, interviews that's all stuff like First of all, I never wanted to do it anyway, so it was, I wasn't even looking to do it, but I had to. Um, and then I had to learn, like, you know, how best to record so that it was good enough. You know, it's not perfect, but it's good enough. How to then edit those videos, make it look halfway decent. Yeah. And it's just like, 
yeah, you just go and do it. It's not like waiting to for someone to give you permission or anything. You just like go and do it. And it's, yeah, again, just love that uh, theme in there. Connected to that theme, um, they uh, they use the the term "great expectations" repeatedly throughout the film. It's yeah. it's Miles's first book report. There's a book, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's Miles's first yeah. book report, the Great Expectations book. Um, it's what he spray paints in the subway um and it's this Mm. theme that plays back and forth in the film of what his parents expect of him what the spider people expect of him what school expects of him and ultimately it's what he expects of himself yeah and so much of of the narrative of the film is based around that looming expectation that's hanging over him what he what he thinks his father wants him to be and and what he thinks he needs to be to be among the spider people so the fact that he by the time he and his dad have that one-sided conversation through the door yeah (laughs) that was one of the most i think one of the most powerful moments in that film definitely is just the conversation between miles and his dad jefferson like I said, one-sided, but it's still a conversation. Yeah, still. <laughs> um, yeah he was hearing it. He was but that realization it of, it doesn't matter what people think of me. All that matters is that I do what's what's right for myself. Yeah. And for the people I love. And that's when his true powers connect and come to fruition, and he's able to control everything. And yeah, obviously when he's earned his spider suit. <laughs> Yeah, and then he goes and makes his own. I think that's important too. He yeah. makes his own suit. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he's he's got his own abilities. He's got his own unique powers. He's got his own suit, his own style, and then he becomes like himself. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a huge um, turning point in the film, and uh, and it's all been building from that book report upward. That's a good spot. And it links into faith because it's all about your you know faith in yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and one other uh, theme message uh, that I picked up was that uh, I think it was this was said just outright is that uh, anyone can wear the mask and that that sense of like yeah anyone can be I guess a hero or you know their version of a hero and uh, it sort of <laughs> it tied into um, Stanley's uh, cameo uh, in this, which is always you know uh, even more touching to kind of see now, but. Um, I thought he had a great cameo where uh, Miles wants to buy a mask and he's like, you know, what happens if it doesn't fit? Uh, he's like, it it always fits eventually. <laughs> and it's all, the camera pans, he's like, no refunds ever. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Great moments. Yeah. Brilliant. So I love those those jokes that are just funny in their own right, but also go to the theme. So you've got Miles again asking, what if it doesn't fit? which kind of, you know, what if I'm not, you know, Spider-Man, it doesn't fit for me. And then, you know, Stanley saying it it always fits. Like, it goes to the anyone can wear the mask theme. Mm. And it's just, yeah, funny, funny cameo. But, yeah, and then there were, uh, I think it is just like a good-looking film. Uh, it was a funny film. And, Tazzy, you mentioned the music uh, also. And... I feel the the music fit the yeah it fit the story it fit the character it fit the I guess the location um, mm. it was more uh, oh, I hate 
when people use the word urban and that's like the first thing that came to mind and I, I hate myself for thinking that but you know is is that um kind of style I'm gonna have to come up with a better word for that <laughs> but yeah so, so like the correct word together. is modern it's kind of modern. modern let's go with that I mean they did as many creative things with the audio as they did with the visuals I know that they recorded they had uh, they had two composers on the thing um, one of which was from the more traditional theatrical orchestral background, and the other was uh, was more of a DJ. Mm. So they had a, a really nice complement of like that makes sense. I think one technique they used was that they recorded their soundtrack um, as an orchestral score, and then took that score and remixed it. They they recorded it to vinyl, and then took wow. that vinyl and scratched it. I really love that, like, city from, like, more traditional, like, music to sort of more, like, more different types of modern music. Um, to, yeah, it's always, it's always a beautiful thing, especially when you can get, uh, like, different musicians and artists that appreciate different styles of music and are more than happy yeah. to, like, work with and... And, and like we'll appreciate and um, intertwine those things um, rather than like fighting against each other. <laughs> yeah. In fact, they did a few really interesting bits with, um, with the music in terms of like having themes for certain characters and having those themes kind of overlap a bit. Um, like with Pete, you've got more of a sort of jazzy classic Spider-Man-ish theme. And then with Miles, it's a little bit more modern and and uh, and and rap influenced, and uh, and when they have that amazing scene where um, Miles accidentally gets attached to an unconscious Peter B. Parker, and they get whipped across the city <laughs> on the subway train, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, and they're just hitting every single car on the way, and there's this brilliant bit of music that's sort of like this scat jazz remixed orchestral. It's just everything all happening at once, and it's, yeah. it's perfect. Mm. Yeah, it really adds and that, that clumsiness. That one track on loop. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've had days where I've, when, uh, when I was working at the comic shop, I would go to work and just listen to that one track on loop, and it was only like two minutes long. But it was so like snappy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like I need to watch this again now. It's just like yeah, just, yeah. I mean, do it. Do it. So yeah. it's just need to go and watch again. It's just I so actually I can have pick up on all these on these bits. I have a friend that's not seen it yet, and I'm like, we need to do a night. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, for sure. Make that happen. Yeah, they're comic books as well. Like they're not. Wow. Like, I'm like, comics and they've not watched this film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> exactly. That's massively disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh. So just. Yeah, make definitely make that happen because that yeah. yeah that's just that can't be allowed. Like take them to the chair if needs be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, one last thing I wanted to point out. So I don't know if. Uh, either of you noticed it so I I didn't notice this on the first two times I watched it but for whatever reason I just immediately picked up on it on the third this recurring use of the number 42 um so yeah. 
it shows up on the spider that bites Miles. It shows up in, I think, just after Peter dies, and there's a shot that shows a subway station time in Times Square, and there's a 42 yeah. there. And then when um, Miles tries the leap of faith and it doesn't go so well, um, you see the numbers four and two uh, scattered around him. Um, <clears throat> and initially I thought this was uh, something to do with the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, uh, Douglas Adams' book, because, you know, it's like the 42 in that. Uh, so by, I checked and uh, apparently it's a reference to the uh, baseball legend, uh, Jackie Robinson, who... I think he was the first black player to play in the major leagues. Um, so the quote I, I saw is that he was a barrier-smashing black superhero in baseball uh, and Miles is a uh, colour-smashing black superhero in Spider-Man comics. Uh, that's from the director Peter Ramsey, or one of the directors, because they had a few directors on there. But yeah, I thought that was a, 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 nice, a nice touch I didn't pick up on first time around. I believe they actually borrowed that from the comics itself. Um, the original... Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pacelli run. I think forty two popped up quite a bit in that run of the in the in the early run of the comics. Yeah, and probably still does just to sort of pay homage to it. But uh, mm. but yeah, they they did so many great things to nod to the origins of certain comic book characters. But forty two was one of the big ones. Nice. Okay. Uh, so I'm not gonna ask for a favorite moment. I'm not gonna do that. But. Um... I was, but now I'm not. Um, I'm going to just ask for everyone's just takeaway from watching the film. So just what is your, like, what is the message that really came through for you uh, after watching this, however many times you watched it? Uh, start with Ryan. Yeah, the the story, it left me with, I mean, it, it leaves you on a really good note. The bad guys are taken care of, the good guys have succeeded, and they're all safe and home, and, and everyone's happy, but it's, like ultimately the journey that Miles has gone on that is front and center. Um, and you see him going from this kid who was comfortable where he was and didn't really like that he was having to go to this new school um, where he wasn't the most popular kid anymore and wasn't doing so good in class. And not because he couldn't, but because he chose not to. Harkening back to that theme of choice. Hmm. But yeah, seeing him overcome all those obstacles and surpass them and become the Spider-Man of that universe, it was, yeah, deeply rewarding and, and paid off all the build-up that they'd done across all the various themes that they'd woven in there. Uh, yeah. Nice. How about you, Tessie? For me, it's probably, and they kind of done this with, with literally, they've sort of innovated with the animation as well. Um but like just be your like unique self and just just have faith that you uh have your own thing to bring to the table something that's unique to you and just just run with it. just be that yeah yeah definitely um i think for me i'll just repeat what i said earlier about the the whole thing about uh belief in yourself and just yeah, just it being a leap of faith and just the simplicity of it. I just, I can't stress enough like how struck I was by just the simplicity of that idea of just everything can change when you believe in yourself. Like everything you need is within you. And once you like believe in yourself, you just start unlocking it. So that was the thing that stuck in my mind. 
uh, after watching it uh, this uh, this latest time. Uh, so yeah, those are our thoughts on uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. You can let us know yours. Uh, as always, you can give us feedback on this episode's story discussion. Uh, we are now going to go into our storytelling tip. So this tip is about uh, the idea of reversals and executing on on them. So I I got this from a, a video from the YouTube channel Filmento. So I'm going to put that video link in the show notes uh, so you can check that out. And he just talks about reversals and why they work so well from this film. And I think Ryan actually touched on it earlier, the idea that you had so many different spider people, but they don't necessarily take away or distract from the film. Uh, and what uh, is suggested in this uh, YouTube video is because of reversal. So I'll just like uh, talk a bit about that. And uh, just to give context. So you have this idea of uh, revelation, which is being a surprise in this story. So it's something that changes and, and it means that the story is is moving and it's what keeps the audience engaged, whether it's uh, reading or or viewing. And a reversal is a big revelation or surprise. So uh, a change that, um, uh, you know, something that happens that changes the understanding of everything that's happened up until that point. Uh, so one like classic example, uh, and apologies if you don't know about The Sixth Sense by now, I'm about to spoil it for you. But uh, one example is in The Sixth Sense where at the end of the film, we discover that Bruce Willis's character, Malcolm Crowe, had been dead the whole time. Uh, and that's an example of a reversal in that it completely changes uh, the understanding of the entire story uh, when you find that out. And the key for a reversal is something that we don't necessarily see coming, or at least something that can't be predicted too easily. Uh, so w one example in Into the uh, Spider-Verse is uh, with uh, Uncle Aaron as Prowler. So you might have seen that coming if you put the pieces together, but it's still a surprise because it changes our understanding of the story up until that point uh, in the way that it impacts Miles' relationship with his uh, with his uncle. So reversals are important because it allows, uh, it, particularly in this film also, because it allows the film to move forward without spending too much time on character development outside of Miles and maybe uh, Gwen so you don't go into the whole backstory of the other spider people or uh, uh, Dr. Octavius or even Kingpin really um, the focus is on Miles uh, and using reversals allows sort of the other characters to come in um, and also prevents that mix of characters from distracting from the plot so uh, for example we see kingpin at the beginning using the collider for what we assume are nefarious means he's just he's just the bad guy doing bad things but uh, in a reversal uh, we later learn that he's actually doing it to bring back his family who were killed when trying to escape him so it kind of gives all the context we need uh, for that motivation uh, without spending too much time on character development which just works for the story um, and a good reversal can create this kind of surprise without ruining the established logic of the film uh, so by that I mean it's not about creating surprises just that come out of nowhere because um, that doesn't work and it actually can turn uh, off your audience so it's something that we may not see coming 
but does make sense within the context of your story. Uh, and this is something that is helped by uh, some foreshadowing. So with Olivia Octavius, uh, she is mentioned quite early on in the film, uh, in Miles' class, where she talks about her uh, her theories um, on sort of different dimensions. So it's very brief, but it is there. Uh, we then see her uh, when Peter and Miles are going to infiltrate the facility, the uh, Alchemax uh, facility. So we see she's there. She has a relationship with Kingpin. Um, and uh, yeah, so you kind of see how that works. So when it's revealed that she is the villain, it's not necessarily out of nowhere. It makes sense uh, in the film, but it's still a surprise, uh, particularly if you already have uh, preconceived idea of who uh, Doc Ock is. And Peter Parker even says at one point, is like, I'll re-examine my personal biases when he assumes that the scientist they, they are after is male and then discovers that uh, it's actually uh, female. Um, so when it comes to your stories and implementing reversals, you want to think of a few things. So the first thing to think about is, does this reversal actually impact the plot? Like, does it have meaning to the characters and character relationships? Uh, if not, if it doesn't actually change anything, it might not be worth putting in. Uh, have you provided enough context uh, through foreshadowing? So it's actually, I think, one of the things that could be a trap to fall into is trying to make your reversal so difficult to figure out that it doesn't actually make sense when you get to it. So it's actually better to have some people guess the surprise coming by putting the pieces together than to either have it come out of nowhere or just have it complete telegraph so everyone knows um, that it's coming. So it's about striking that balance. Uh, and then the third thing is to keep the surprise uh, simple. So once it's shown or stated, it should just immediately click in the reader or viewer's minds um, so they just get it and they get that impact of it. So if it's something that then requires further explanation, there might be a problem in the way you've uh, implemented it uh, in your story. So yeah, that is the idea of reversals. Again, I'll put that YouTube link in the show notes so you can check out a more detailed and thorough discussion um, of that. And yeah, you can let us know if that's something you've used in your stories, uh, how you've used it. Again, you're always welcome to send us uh, your feedback and your uh, thoughts uh, to feedback at myometer.com. Uh, so now let's find out what our guest is up to. So Ryan, if you'd just like, like to let us know uh, a bit about what you've got going on at the moment or where we can find you any future project projects. Well, uh, right now I've really been focusing on commission work. Um, so if there's a character that you'd want drawn or, or a piece of artwork you need, let me know. I'm, I'm happy to get in touch with you. Um, I have you one of those. Find... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, go, you did one for me. Like, uh, well, you did, you did one for me and then I also bought one uh, from you that you'd already done. So. Oh, man. We've known <laughs> each other too long. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can you can follow my work. Um, my name is Ryan Jenkins. That's J-E-N-K-Y. Uh, you can find me on ryanjenkins.com. You can find me on Instagram at ryanjenkinsart. Uh, on Twitter at ryanjenkins. Um, I'm on ArtStation now. It's all great. It's all fun. Come check out what I've been drawing. Excellent. Um, 
Yeah, so the next section is our listeners' questions. Um, we have one question today and some feedback, I guess. Um, so the, the question is, and it is from Kimiko underscore 22X on Instagram. How do you think Miles has impacted the Marvel Universe? as a protagonist of a different ethnic background compared to Spider-Man from the past and present? Yeah, I I mean, I think, like Ryan mentioned, like the idea of Spider-Man is, you know, he is he's a kid uh, and that's quite relatable. So he doesn't have everything figured out, like Ryan said, uh, and that just made him relatable to that whole generation who understood what Spider-Man was going through. And I think with comics it's it's good to have that refresh to uh maybe reflect sort of some of the people that are uh definitely reading these comics so i think for miles to be um sort of a so if he's because he's part latino and part um Af- african-american latino i've forgotten what the exact phrase is but to come from that background you then uh you know relate into a new generation of uh, of fans and young people who can then see themselves um in in miles and then that just brings in more people into the stories because then you can come in through miles you can then check out the other uh, uh peter parker stories and now now you're in because I've, I've got like a gateway so i i think it it just broadens the the reach and it allows you when you uh, it allows marvel to tell different stories to different people with this character there's never been a better time to uh, widen the diversity that's present in uh, in comics and, and other medium. Um, having more representation of characters of different races, of different ethnical backgrounds, um, different genders. It's it's never been more important to remind people that heroes don't just come in one color. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think they've done a really like a good job of how they introduced uh the spider-verse um and the 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 different heroes because i think everyone gets so caught up on like the first version of a hero that they've come across um and they're like this is how it'd be and this is how this character should be um and i feel like the way that the Into the Spider-Verse was, was made and how we got introduced to Miles and all the other Spider-People um, kind of it was done in such a good way that it's like now it's like here is the floor you can have any superhero you want <laughs> we've opened the gate mm. <laughs> like yeah. now there is a place for it and I did such a way that no one could really sit there and argue well you know like Spider Man is supposed to be a certain way. It's like, yeah, he was, and he died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so here's someone else um, to, to cut fill the that role. Off right at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and without like you know there being like like without either Peter Parker like overshadowing Miles, the story was always about Miles. Um, yeah but you yeah they just like took argument away they were like here is your here's your cookie cutter superhero that you know (laughs) (laughs) here's something new and you can have both in the same film but we're focusing on on the the new new. (laughs) and it helped that he was also a young character 
No, you're absolutely right. People get so precious about characters they're nostalgic about. So being able to introduce someone new into that mantle means they can tell whole new stories that they wouldn't have been able to with the previous character. Yeah. Mm. They did a similar thing with um with Thor in uh in the Marvel comic universe of introducing Jane Foster as Thor when Thor became unworthy. And uh, and they told some really fantastic stories in that run of the comics. And they're I think they're gonna be um introducing yeah, the, the next female film. Thor into the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. So Yeah. We get to see those amazing stories on big screen. Definitely. Then um, from Kimiko underscore 22 as well. Uh, It was a good move for Marvel to put Marvels in the main Spider-Man. In the new Spider-Man game that was announced for the PlayStation 5 reveal. This is more of a... Yeah, is that a statement? I guess it's a statement question. I mean, I agree. I think, yeah. I think because uh, that came up within the first five minutes um, and I was sold. I was like, yep, I got to get that to play this. Uh, I'm in. That was what it took. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I think the because um, I, I played the, the first game, that's always just mm. amazing game. And I think, yeah, any any reason to get more of that game, <laughs> I, I will take uh, even better. It's, uh, it smiles and again allows you to then bring that new perspective, those new stories to the video game uh, space. So, yeah, definitely a good move of Marvel. Well, I guess technically Sony. Because they still own the rights to that character, yeah, so I, yeah. I assume that's their their move, which you know got the the okay from Marvel. But yeah, a good move, whoever. For sure, yeah. done some some really good stuff in terms of, um, yes, it's a sequel Spider Man game. Yes, you're going to get a similar experience, but he's got a whole new set of moves. They've mm. given him entirely unique animations. Um, his suit is one of a kind. Like everything about this game looks unique and that just reflects miles as a character as well definitely so that is all of our um listener questions and feedback um if you do want to send in your own feedback or questions for our next episode you can do so by sending us an email at feedback at myamada.com or on our social medias at Maya Mada on Twitter and Maya Mada Tease on Instagram or at Tazzy on both. And we have reached the end of our show, our comeback show from the mid-season break. Um, thank you, Ryan, for joining us and giving us your expertise when it comes to like animation and, and that side of things. I was like taking mental notes, most of which uh, I may have forgotten the technical details of, but um, really, yeah, appreciate that insight. No worries, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, so for everyone listening, if you've enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, uh, you can make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss any future episodes. And you can also check out past episodes. Um, you can also give the podcast a review on Apple Podcasts, which would help us reach new people. Uh, and you can just share it with your um, your own friends and followers. Uh, I mentioned earlier on that we've got a new story coming. We also have uh, existing manga that is out now on our website. Uh, at myamada.com forward slash manga and our next gamepad online event is coming on saturday the 26th of september so you can go to gamepad.events to get tickets to be reminded of all the cool stuff that is going to be happening there so you can um also look forward to new podcast episodes including creator interviews 
video game discussions and deep dives like this into stories across pop culture. As always, you can shout us directly. Our email address is feedback at myamada.com and our website with links to subscribe is myamada.com forward slash story x story. Until next time, stay tuned and stay safe, everyone. See you later. Thank you.